Praise the Lord on today, everybody. This is Minister Anthony Bonner of Truth Turned Up Ministries coming to you live today on the podcast with a word entitled, Taking the Yoke of Jesus. Taking the Yoke of Jesus. We thank God for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank God for his sacrifice. We thank God for all that he has done for mankind, but especially what he's done for those who have been plucked out of the fire selected, redeemed, and chosen, and those who've accepted his invitation to come back and be reconciled unto him to get the full understanding of what it means to be redeemed redeemed, and what redemption allows those who walk in the understanding of it, which will give them a greater understanding and more comfort as they begin to take on the yoke of Jesus Christ. There's a portion of scripture in Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30, where Jesus is specifically talking to all people, not some people, to all people, that they may be informed, that they may be aware of the great opportunity, the greatest opportunity that has ever been presented to any man or woman in any generation. That is to come back into perfect unity, into a perfect union with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to have our existence our identity totally wrapped up in him, not in a religion, not in a denomination, not in a pastor, not in a church order, but in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. In Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30, it reads, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In this portion of scripture, we see Jesus Christ extending the exact same invitation that he extended when he first appeared after being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist and being led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights and after he had successfully rebuked the devil only with the supernatural word of God, not allowing his flesh, his intellect, or the cultural norms to move him off of his divine assignment, which was to go to the cross, to die, to not be made a natural king, but to endure the process so that he could be reinstated as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, to ascend back to that divine place and be seated at the right hand of his father, where all power in heaven and earth would be given unto him. In this place, God has so graciously opened the door, laid out the red carpet for whosoever will believe him in this manner that it is so, that it is possible, coming against their natural mind, denying themselves, being countercultural, pushing against the pricks of all that is known and accepted by the multitude of men that have ever lived. Jesus tells us in this verse, like he said in Matthew 16 and 24 to the original disciples, he gave the invitation simply saying, follow me. Follow me is such a blank canvas. It is so broad. The strokes cannot even be dictated. They cannot be known. They cannot be calculated. It is so unknown. It is so unsearchable. It is simply one who's laid down their will and said, okay, whatever is going to happen, I'm okay with it. I don't have a plan. I'm going to allow you to rewrite the plan. Whatever plan I had, whatever steps I had ordered, whatever I thought my life would be, All of that is dung. I'm going to discard it and take on this heavenly mantle. 
I'm going to accept this divine invitation. Jesus is saying the same thing in Matthew 11, 29 and 30. When he says, take my yoke. Jesus is saying, take my assignment. He's saying, walk in my path. He's saying, be like me. And of course, he's saying, follow me. Take my yoke upon you. We know that a yoke was a wooden cross, a wooden instrument that would bind or join two animals together so that they could successfully work in unison to pull a cart, a cart or a plow or anything else during the ancient times to get work done to plow the ground, to prepare the fields or harvest the fields. The animals would be yoked and it would be normal for the stronger oxen or the stronger horse to pull the majority of the weight so that the weaker horse or the weaker vessel would not have to work as much, but their work would not be in vain. It would still produce the benefit in which it was designed to do. Hallelujah. Jesus invites us to take on his yoke because he is the stronger. He is the strongest. So he allows us to take on his yoke that we may gracefully walk with him, that we may effortlessly walk with him, that we may walk with him without fear, worry, or torment, or torment in this fallen world that we live in because Jesus Christ is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. So when we yoke up with him, then we ourselves take on those same divine attributes and we begin to operate from a place of sovereignty over our circumstances, over our situations, over our culture, over any chaos that may be sent our way or any chaos that we out of ignorance or prematurity or immaturity may bring upon ourselves as God continues to increase us. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, meaning we become true disciples. We become learners of the divine things, things that are too wonderful to mention, things that are too wonderful for our minds, things that have escaped the grasp of humanity who continue to take on the yoke of the world, take on the yoke of education, take on the yoke of entertainment, take on the yoke of athletics, take on the yoke of many other things that seem wonderful. But it has the opposite effect of what it promises. It eventually wears you down. It eventually separates you from your family. It eventually steals your peace. It eventually steals your health. It certainly steals your divine purpose, even though it may allow you to have a natural purpose. It will steal your divine purpose because you've taken on the yoke of death, not the yoke of life. You've taken on the yoke of darkness, not the yoke of light. Hallelujah. Jesus goes on and say, and learn of me, meaning study. Study to show yourself approved. Seek me that you may rightly divide the word of truth. Grow in the grace and knowledge of God and Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, that I may bestow upon you the wisdom to skillfully live this life and successfully overcome everything in life, that you may be a set apart, sanctified vessel, that I may do some of those works that I speak of in John 14 and 12. When I say he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Again, this is a place that is totally blind. This is a place that is totally void. You don't hear this message. Men don't declare this message because men don't live this message. It's not something you can fake. It's not something that you can duplicate. It's something that you must become. And you can only become this when you take on this yoke. You're taking on your cross. You're taking on the crucifixion. Romans 6 and 4 says, therefore, we are buried with him through crucifixion. Hallelujah. 
we are buried with Christ. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, even though we should also walk in the newness of life. When I take on this yoke, there is a newness of life. Nothing of the old man will remain. I have a new identity. I live by the supernatural wisdom of God. I live by the supernatural expectations of God. God will renew the desires of my heart. God has renewed my mind. So my expectation is no longer on the Lord plane. I'm seeking those things. I'm speaking those things that be not as though they were because the Bible says they are. The Bible tells me that whatsoever I ask in his name, that if I believe it, then I shall have it in Mark 11 and 24. No educational degree, no amount of talent, no connection to any other human being to ever exist can extend such a wonderful promise and then have the ability to bring it to pass, to maintain it, to watch over it in the life of the one who accepts this invitation. He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Meek does not mean weak. Meek means changeable. Meek means open. Meek means uh, I will accept your invitation that I am conformable. I am the clay that willingly will get back on the potter's wheel so the potter can reshape me. I exchange my pride and, and my natural strength for the meekness that God wants to bestow upon me that I may be his trophy in this land. That things that he has desired to do from the beginning of time since he's begun sending messengers and, and, and prophets and apostles and teachers and evangelists and pastors and uh, other men who may have fallen short and gotten out of line looking to the left or looking to the right or falling to the applause or the systems of men. He's looking for men who will just abide in his system, who will allow the glory of God to be manifested in such a way that the Bible says in Romans 8 and 19, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The world is waiting for those who will live such a life. Those who will take on such a yoke, such a divine task, but yet such a, uh, uh, I wouldn't say it's hard, even though it is hard, but it, it is a task that will become hard because it is a supernatural task and your flesh will fight. Your flesh will resist. Your flesh will become weary, your flesh will become worried, your flesh will become combative, and you must be so embedded uh, spiritually and, and supernaturally that only the grace of God can take one on this narrow path and take them to the highlands of having that John 10 and 10 experience when he says, I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He says he's lowly in heart, meaning he's been stripped from all of his own desires He's stripped from seeking the honor of men and the honor of the world. He's completely satisfied with the assignment in which his God has given him. He's totally devoted to the purpose for which he was sent. He does not get sidetracked, though he's in the world now, and he sees, and he's been shown by the devil, by the adversary, all the glory of the kingdoms of the world, which he would have freely given to him if he had bowed down and worshipped him. But Jesus refused that invitation, and because he refused it, and we're now in him, we too can be equipped to also refuse the glory that the world offers us, which is a temporary glory. It is a fleeting glory. It is a glory that exalts you, that you cannot extend to other men because the systems of the world will not open the door for all men. It will let some men in just to meet its quota. You understand? It will not let all men in because it is a club. It is a wicked club. It is a club that is governed by 
principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. There's discrimination in these places. There's hatred in these places. There's envy. There's jealousies. There's all kind of maliciousness or malice that's going on in these places. They don't mean, uh, uh, they don't have good intent for the exaltation and the expansion and the increase for God's creation. We must go back to the creator only to receive this and be equipped to operate in this. He says, and you shall find rest unto your souls, indicating that our souls are at unrest. Our souls are at dis-ease, which is why there are many diseases in the flesh. Because again, the body, the neurological system, uh, was not designed to be stressed out 24-7. It was not stressed, it was not designed to be stressed out seven days a week, 365 days a year. It was meant to be at rest. So when it's at unrest, you allow the circumstances, the situations that are attempting to uh, attack you and destroy you to move you out of position, to keep you distracted, to keep you separated from taking on the yoke of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because your natural mind begins to wonder how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to provide for your family, uh, that uh, it will convince you you're not going to have a productive and a future that is worthy of living because you're now living outside of the system because you may not temporarily have the things that other people have that they measure as success. Your measurement and definition of success has now been redefined. It has been replaced with a greater level of success, with a greater level of honor, with a greater level of recognition. You now have a great cloud of witnesses watching over you, cheering you on. You now have divine assistance, not in some things, but in all things. And when you take this yoke, your soul can now be at rest because it is resting in him who created you. It is resting in him who created all things. So whatever trouble that is certain and sure to come will be handled because God has appointed you and positioned you in this place. So you can, as it says in Exodus 14 and 14, you can hold your peace and the Lord shall fight for you. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We get back to this yoke again, this joining, this connection to Jesus Christ. He says that it is easy. It is easy because he has done it already. It is finished. John 19 and 30, it is finished. God has finished the work before the foundations of the earth. Him being crucified was no surprise to him or his father because it had been written and prophesied and even shared in the scriptures. But men in their natural mind, because they had the yoke of the world on him, could not believe that such a Lord and Savior, meaning his disciples, would come and endure such cruel punishment at the hand of the elders and the chief priests and those in the religious order. And those who were in the natural realm outside of the relig religious order and who had not yet come into contact with Jesus to be appointed disciples just could not understand this. That's why he had to speak to them in parables that they may get a better understanding, but they could not have full understanding because they did not surrender them their lives. They did not take on his yoke. They did not deny themselves and pick up their crosses to follow him. Many of them came for him in John 6 and 26. It says simply because they had tasted of the loaves and they were filled. They had seen the miracles, but that's not why they followed him. They had tasted of the loaves. They were trying to eliminate their natural hunger. They were dealing with their flesh and had not yet had their spiritual eyes enlightened because the Holy Spirit had not yet been sent back because Jesus had not yet ascended 
to send back the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of all men, especially those men that would obey him and take up their yoke and follow him, that would take on his assignment, that would be about their father's business as he was. He says, and my burden is light. We know that the burden is a weight. A burden is a problem that causes you great distress. A burden is a situation that can totally steal all of your peace, not some of it. A burden is something that can destroy everything that is precious unto you. But Jesus promises us here. He says his burden is light. We know something is light is easy to carry. Something that is light is not stressful at all. Something that is light is not a distraction. So Jesus promises us that a relationship with him, that when we take on our yoke, when we join back up with him, when we come back into the family, that all is well. That his yoke is going to be easy. And he tells us that in the book of Proverbs, when he says a man's gift shall make room for him and bring him before great men. He tells us that in the book of Proverbs, when he tells us that the blessings of the Lord make it rich and addeth no sorrow. These things are practically applied because the wisdom of God was given not so you can just teach to make it look like you're some great teacher. No, they are to be lived. And then after only after living them, can you divinely impart them into the spirits of other men so that the Holy Spirit can give them understanding to see what it is you have been equipped to see. You understand? But again, we have many people who love to teach things that they themselves do not yet walk in. They're still yoked up with the world in some capacity or some form or some form through their charities, through begging, through partnerships, darkness walking with light, trying to have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And they're not trying to have it. I apologize. They have a form of godliness and denying the power thereof. And we're simply calling a spade a spade because the Bible says in 1 John 2 and 6, it says, he that walketh with him ought to also walk even as he walked. We are to live as Jesus lived. We are to abide in him. If we say we abide in him, we are also to walk even as he walked. That means we're going to take his yoke upon us. That means we're going to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, as it tells us in 2 Timothy and 2. You see, we have to get a divine understanding, and this understanding will surely and most certainly separate us from other men. It will separate us from other causes. It will separate us from those things that do not advance the kingdom of God. It will remove us from those things that keep us in our flesh, that will deny the power of God from fully being put on display and operating for a separated mankind, for a mankind that operates in partial understanding, which we all do. But it matters how great that partial understanding is. Is it rooted in just simply the letter of the Bible? Or is it rooted through the rhema word? which is the Spirit of God downloading freshly into your heart, into your mind, that you may take upon the yoke of Jesus and that you may walk in that yoke and that that yoke may edify you, that yoke may elevate you, that yoke may make room for you in a world that will not make room for you because you are a pilgrim traveling through. You are a stranger. Hallelujah. You are a chosen generation. You are a holy nation. Thank you, Lord, a peculiar people. You're the apple of his eye only if you take his yoke upon you, not because you're a church member, not because you've studied the word, not because your pastor is so great, not because you're part of a denomination. All those things are the traditions of men, which men do teach. 
but they do not teach the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is divinely revealed. The kingdom of God is divinely imparted. The kingdom of God is divinely walked out. It is not just a conversation starter. It is not just a sermon. It is a real existence that has been extended to whosoever will take up their yoke or take on the yoke of Jesus Christ and walk after him. He says in John 3 and 36 in closing, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. This wrath is for those who don't take on the yoke. This wrath is the divine judgment of God. This wrath is those who live by luck and happenstance, who find themselves always in the place of being oppressed or depressed, who find themselves in the place of never really increasing and and, 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 and arriving at the place that has been placed within their heart because they're not properly equipped. They don't use the right tools. They're traveling on the wrong path. My brothers and my sisters, it is my divine prayer on today that our minds may be renewed, that our hearts may be open, that our hard hearts of stone may be turned into hearts of flesh, and that Jesus Christ may be properly reinserted on the throne of our lives, and that we may willingly accept the separation that comes with taking on the yoke of Jesus Christ, not daring to walk with people just because they want to walk with you, that you will be bold in your stance, that your discernment shall be great. And that you will obey God and leave all the consequences to him. Because time is the prover. Time is the determinate factor in who's right and who's wrong. And when you're fully in Christ Jesus and he's giving you understanding, you don't have to worry about being wrong. Because you have the Lord of all lords and the king of all kings on your case. And you can believe he's been in the courtroom countless amounts of time. And he's undefeated. He's never lost a case. In Jesus' name, amen.